to another edition of Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations, stlmasses.com. You can find out the menus there, find out their specials. I'm having my rehearsal dinner there. That's how much I love this place. They're, they're pretty good to me, i got to be honest. But uh, And I'm at Masses right now with, uh, with my friend, my pal, Benjamin Hockman from the Post-Dispatch. Hello, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's hard to look right in your eyes when I introduce you. I don't know. It was a weird thing. It felt weird. Well, I have these steely blue eyes a la Frodo Baggins, and uh, basically it's obnoxious and annoying, and I feel bad for you that you have to sit here for the next half an hour. I don't know who that is. That's fine. He pitched for the Padres in the late 80s. What was his name? Frodo Baggins. No. No, and I'm pretty good with my 80s Padres. 80s Padres. We were just, we had a little pre-talk here before uh, our interview, and we're going to talk about Ben's book. We're going to talk about his work at the Post-Dispatch. Ben has a book, The Big 50, Men in, Men in Moments, who made the Cardinals. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But the reason why I wanted to talk to Ben, of course, is about the book, and I started hearing him talk about it, and we're very similar in our kind of goofiness of Cardinal. Uh, I think me, you, Will Leach kind of have this whole thing that, we were talking about uh, how I used to do stuff for Fox where I would just pick out random Cardinals and try to make a list out of them. And it was like, these guys were Cardinals. Jamie Moyer, Dan Quisenberry, you mentioned, so you came up with one. Uh, but that book is, uh, is kind of, you, you talk about Stan Musial, you talk about Yadier Molina, but then you talk about Seat Cushion Night. What, what was the reasoning? How did you come up with the ideas for this book? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to write a book that hadn't been written before about the Cardinals and that I know that if, I'd, if I saw it online or saw it in a bookstore, I'd want to read it. So that's why for every Ozzie Smith chapter, there's Tom Lawless Batflip chapter. And there are so many fun references. And, I, and I, things, everything from, like, your favorite beer vendor at Bush Stadium to um, how about, like, your favorite... Uh, that one guy, remember that? You know, you know that one guy. Our DJ at the wedding, yes. He's, yeah. We're going to have him wear that, and maybe have some people throw some shirts out. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I mean, so like, there's something to be said about being in the in the Cardinals community, in the Cardinals culture, if you will. And it's it's of course it's revering Stan and and Willie and Bob Gibson, all that. But it's also uh, knowing what to say if somebody says anybody want a sodi, and that's of course and a free straw. Well done. Well done. I, uh, and that's what I like about the book. Uh, and, and I said, like, we're kind of quirky that way. Yeah, I love talking about the 82 Cardinals, the 2011 Cardinals, and we could sit here and just trade stories back and forth. But I do like the goofiness of, like, um, you know, backup catchers. You know, can you name? And it's so hard to come up with all these cra- like Mike Mahoney and Einar <laughs> Diaz and all these crazy names. And I think that's what I saw in the book, and I read a little bit of it uh, the other night. Um, so, like I said, you, you do a, it's you said I think essays. I you're a columnist. It feels basically like fifty long columns. Is that a, is that a yeah. kind of a safe way to say? Because everyone knows Stan's numbers, and you kind of dig into his numbers a little bit. But it's stories about it with his grandson. You, the Yachty stories. You hear Chris Carpenter say something I've never heard Chris Carpenter say. Compared him to a, his offensive tackle, where he basically has a blind spot and, and Yachty sees it. I, I love new stories about the stuff and I guess that's what you were digging in no question about it I mean again we all know the the base story we all know Freeze hit the triple we all, we all know these things happen but how about people where famous St. Louisans were watching it uh, talked to John Hamm about being on the set of Mad Men uh, and one of the other actors was a big Texas Rangers fan so they're filming a scene of Mad Men and then Don Draper turns into John Hamm and, but in the Don Draper outfit sprints down the hall to go catch an at-bat in the World Series Game 6 he's talking trash to the Rangers fan uh, and then he went to screw somebody off set probably no, I'm just uh, I mean <laughs> you know Don, Don Draper Don not John Hamm yeah. Don Draper John Hamm yeah um, 
but adultery. <laughs> the um, the thing about about like the stories in the book is that I love the idea that we can all relate to them, and whether it's whether it's the young girl who uh, when McGuire hit sixty two, she jumped up and hit her took her tooth. She's 11 years old. She went to the dentist. Like, you know, the chip isn't that bad. I just want to keep it the way it is because it reminds me of the fun of McGuire and the celebration. I mean, I love stuff like that. So, and that's what's what I think, like I said, I got just through a few chapters, and I can't wait, wait to read the whole thing. Uh, this will definitely be perfect on a plane <laughs> or on a or, Sunday afternoon. Or a toilet. <laughs> that's where I do all my reading. Um, with the phone, you can do all these things now. But... Uh, this seems like it took a lot of uh, research because you're not just, hey, stand usual, you know, 36, 30, 18, 15, both sides. You, you had to go talk to Brian and then the Sodi with the free straw guy. I don't know if you found him. I think we, you said you did not get hold of him or you did. But tell me how long this took. I mean, it took quite a long time. I mean, I mean, a line I'll say to people is like, I've been working on this book my whole life. You know, I'm from here gathering stories and the whole thing. But yeah, I, I put, I poured my heart into this. And like, again, like, I hope that the people listening to this can, can be like, oh, yeah, he's just one of us. He's just like a dude from St. Louis that, you know, drinks beer and likes toasted ravioli and makes reference to Tom Bernanski's mustache, you know. And so I wrote a book for you, you know. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun, though, because I got to meet people I hadn't met before. Like, for instance, Rex Hurricane Huddler. I mean, there's a guy that I always wanted to... I knew he was a little off, a little quirky. And I sat down with the Hurricane for about... Do they, put, they call him The Hurricane? I think I, I added the The. He had, a, and he had other nicknames too. What was the other? He had Wonder Wonder Dog. Wonder yeah, Dog. They had, he had a bunch of nicknames. Yeah, and uh, but I, I never sat down with him before, and we talked for half an hour. And these stories were great. My favorite one from him because he's in the in the chapter called Scrappy Cardinals, and um, we all know the Scrappy Cardinals. And he told this great story about because um, I was t- telling him like, oh yeah, well you know Rex Hurricane Huddler, I had your poster on the wall, the life size. Uh, giveaway at a ball game, like a Tide, I think Tide sponsored, and like had a rainbow or something weird going. On. Um, I'm just in my head. I'm trying to remember. Maybe yeah. that was what the sign guy had created for him. Oh, Marty Prather. Yeah, is, is yeah. he in the book? By the way, well, oh, there's references uh, to the sign guy. And that, that's, I digress. Oh no, it's all good. Um, this was Vest Soda. He because he told me I didn't remember either. Um, but it was Vest Soda, and Rex had never gotten a poster before. It's always Ozzy or Vince or Willie, or, or, you know, good players. Um, so sorry, Rex. No. Um, but his whole thing was that he hustled so hard and loved getting dirty, and he, he's like, I, I'd, I'd do it again for those fans in St. Louis. You know, I'd dive into that gravel in San Diego and the whole thing. And he had the photo shoot, and they're like, yeah, we're going to make your uniform dirty. He goes, ah, I'll take care of that. In the morning of the photo shoot, the photo shoot was like at noon at some studio, he went to Bush Stadium, put on his uniform, and like the grounds crew was there. Like it was still the AstroTurf, but they're setting up the you know the little, little brown patch of dirt at home plate and third base and all that. And he, and he goes to third base and he goes, "I'm tagging up." They're like, "What is this weirdo doing?" And they're like, and he's like, "I'm tagging up." And he fakes like there's a game going on tags up sprints home slides in the home plate to get his real uniform dirt he wanted authentic dirt on his uniform uh for his best soda poster because he was hurricane huddler and they had like these fake trees in the background but i just love the idea like he drove over there in his uniform uh just to get dirty for the poster he's odd i, I will just i'll be up there's some off the record stuff obviously people have heard some stories about him he's just odd 
this odd guy, but great. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's what's fun about the the, the book, the scrappy stories. Oh, Ben's having a piece of cannelloni. There's no bologna in the cannelloni here at Masses. It's five, delicious. Five, five locations. Are you supposed five. to podcast? Not supposed to podcast with your mouth full. It's fine. It's fine. This is uh, this is very just laid back, enjoying talking Cardinal baseball. There's a Vince Coleman Channel Five interview um, chapter. I I recorded that as a kid. I remember it. I I watched it over and over, and I knew I was ten, you know, or eleven, whatever I was in 1987. I knew this was different. Like I knew watching this, and I knew watching it over and over again. Tell me a little bit about getting into that. And what, what, where did you, did you talk? I talked to Art Holiday, obviously. But this is why I love what you did because, I mean, that thing, now it's on YouTube. It lives forever. I've talked to Vince about it. Vince knew. I think at one point he says, bus is at 6 o'clock. And most Cardinal fans have no idea what he's talking about. When you're around, you know that they put bus time and it's usually yeah. like 3 o'clock. It's just he's so hammered. Oh, no question about it. So, yeah, and that's, that's the fun thing about this book and this chapter is, so for those that remember it or have seen it before, here's some inside stuff. And then for those that don't know what we're talking about, of course, you'll be able to find out about it. 1987, the Cardinals uh, win the division. They defeat the Expos. Uh, I think Mitch Webster was the final out of that game. And um, so they're celebrating. And we'll bounce her back to Cox. On to first. They win it. That's Jay Randolph's call right there, folks. Well done. Well done, my man. Um, so th- I mean, this is a perfect scenario, perfect St. Louis scenario. They, they, they open Channel 5 News, and it's Dick Ford and Karen Foss. Same haircut, the two of them. And, um, <laughs> and they're sitting there, and they're, they're like, and they, they go straight to Mike Bush. Straight to Mike Bush, and he goes, "You gotta love it," and he's and he's doing that. And then Art Holiday, uh, the indefatigable Art Holiday, the great Art Holiday, is live in the clubhouse. And the math on this is fascinating because they had just won the game. Let's say it was like a seven o'clock game. They like the game ended at ten, maybe it's ten oh one. Well, I can tell you something about okay, this. Help me out. I will help you on this because again, I recorded the whole thing and I've watched it a million times. So as Fox Sports Midwest would do. They stayed with the game coverage. Mike Shannon did a lot of everybody else. He did Ozzy, he did Whitey. He, so they did about a half hour of normal champagne coverage. Then it was 11 o'clock-ish. They come on, and now they haven't done Vince Coleman yet. So that's yeah. – I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. This is great. This is great. Yeah, let's get Vince up here. He, he had a big season for the 87 team. Vince – couldn't have been like it said he couldn't have been more drunk like like it was like one more sip of beer from blackout but because he hadn't had that sip he was still and he <laughs> it was an art holiday <laughs> one more sip would have got him yeah and art holiday is wearing this like nice sweater from the 80s and he's he's like trying to get vince to say anything coherent and all vince is screaming we got the greatest team in the world we got an all star in every position he starts naming the I players. I can do it, and I can... Oh, yeah. Jack Clark, Tommy Hearn, Jared Pendleton, Willie McGee, Tony Payne. And then they, they start dumping things on him, and he's like, six o'clock. And, uh, <laughs> but there's this one moment, and in the book I compare it to the movie Old School, when uh, Will Ferrell has to debate... Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a real he spit take. just spit take on me. I should, I'm sorry. That was a real spit take. <laughs> Where... Um, <laughs> He's got to debate James Carville, and something happens where Will Ferrell actually becomes coherent and intelligent. 
and Art asks this question. He's like, Vince, tell me about the adversity <laughs> of this team. And he clicks and he gives this perfect 30 second answer. And I've never been spit taken on before. That was I'm genius. sorry, that was but that was, a, and that's probably the first actual real spit take I've ever done. I always claim I'm going to do it. Right. But that is true yeah. that he literally does get it together. <laughs> I forgot about Yeah, we got a great ball club and we go <laughs> and boom. Yeah, we persevere through yeah. the injuries and I'll say that that's a def- definition oh. of this team. And then, and then like he switches back to Will Ferrell <laughs> drunk or whatever. He's like, ah, greatest team in the world. Oh my gosh! Well, and it's funny, uh, you know. It's fun. Again, I had Will Leach like a, a month ago, and we talked about. Um, he made a good point. It really is. You you love the music that you grew up on. Like mm. I grew up in the '80s. My dad was a like a wedding DJ, and he'd always he's like, "I'm gonna get a record. Cool. I'm gonna get you a record." So I have all these 45s from 1984, 85, and I have like Billy Ocean. Like I have Caribbean Queen. I have. Uh, I mean, I just have them all. And I love that music. I think when you're 10. And you see this stuff and you grow up. Like, I know there's a generation of kids now like that, you know, maybe 15 years old saw this run of games in the 2000s, which I think is great, too. But there's just something special about what we were just talking about. Uh, you had another chapter about the seat cushion night, and I just got to ask, you know, what, what, where do you, uh, where did, what, what do you have in there? I mean, I don't want sure. you to give it away, but just give me a little bit about the seat. Because, again, I'll tell my story real fast. Please, I was hoping you'd interview me for the book, yeah. honestly. I should have been. But, oh. but I can, I'm going to interview I'll do the next 50. Okay. And it's called the Big 50 Cardinals. I'll do the next 50 Cardinals. I don't need to be interviewed. But I do have My story about this one was the Cardinals um, were on CENCOM cable at this time. Wow. And you'd have to pay $5.50 to see the home games. They would shoot 50, 50. Imagine, I mean, think about if the Cardinals said today... We're going to put our games on uh, cable, and they're going to be $5.50 for you to watch them. They did 50 home games because they never showed home games. Yeah, I, I had a rich step-grandfather, and he had this situation that you had. Yeah, and so, but <laughs> I don't know if you had Channel 42, but you could watch stuff scrambled a little bit. And Channel 42 is the, the naughty channel. Channel 41 is where the Cardinals would air. <laughs> um, so I remember we were out as a family that night of that game, and we heard it going back and forth they were they were uh what down by five they come back uh the ninth inning they come back the tenth inning grand slam i mean it's back and forth with three different stops of seat cushions yeah and i we get home around the ninth i'm like mom we, we gotta buy this we, we gotta we gotta yeah. so we bought it in the ninth inning and we watched the replay oh, cool. it was just and that's my memory of that game is we never bought those games everyone was like we're not paying yeah. but just listening to it you're like we gotta see this yeah. i mean just because you hear Jack and Mike describing it, but I'm like, I have to see this thing live, and I'll, that's my story about that game. I'll never forget it. So yeah. give me a little bit about what you heard and about for it. those that don't know about it, so it's Tommy Herr, and the, basically the chapter in the book opens up with the description of how if you're born with the name Tom, you're preordained, predestined to be handsome. It's ridiculous, right, Tom? Lovely perm. But, but I mean, Tom, Tom Herr was was the Matheny of his era, the, you know, the... the the Harrison Bader of his era where just every girl in town loved Tom Herr and it's similar Tom Cruise Tom Selleck uh, Tom, Tom Jones Tom Jones it's not unusual uh, anyway think of an ugly Tom hold on let me think about that you go on and I'll be thinking <laughs> maybe spit taking yeah yeah uh, Hanks maybe he's got a kind of a Charm. He's got charm. Younger bachelor party Tom Hanks, I think, was fun, and people probably thought he, you know. That's true, though. But I bet at the time, the ladies like Scolari more than Hanks. Uh, anyway, so. Who's in buddies? Thank you. So, um, Tom Herr uh, was a fan favorite, and in 87, yeah, the game goes to extra. It was seat cushion night, and my God, 
he hits the grand slam, a walk-off grand slam, and they start flinging these things, and it's like it's like it's snowing with with seat cushions. It couldn't have been more perfect. It was, it was like a hat trick in hockey, except double the amount of hats because double the size, and or if you will, and. And uh, the best line was Jack Buck, of course. You know, I did some research and got some old quotes and stuff. He said, like, well, it looks like they can do seat cushion night tomorrow also because <laughs> they got all the seat cushions back. And, I, and I, like I said, as a kid, I think this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And as I get older, I'm like, well, I hope everyone understands how big a night this was. That's why I love that it's a chapter in the book. Um, you have Faces of Bush. You do something on Miguel Mejia. We talked about Todd Thomas. So that's that's the fun thing about this book. Where do people get it if they want to get it? Any bookstore in St. Louis, but it's real easy. you got your phone right there, your computer. Just type in Big 50 Cardinals. Big 50 Cardinals, Amazon. You can order it right there. Tony LaRussa, he wrote the foreword to the book. How'd you get that to happen? Um, well, I uh, begged him. Got on my knees and started... Praying. How much did you donate to Arf? That's right, that's right, that's right. I just gave him my pets. So yeah, I got it. I went to uh, iTunes yesterday on iBooks, so that's where I was sampling it. So, uh, I, like I said, I can't wait to read it. Um, you're a columnist, obviously, for the Post-Dispatch, and uh, tell me a little bit about how that's going. You came in from, uh, you're from here, Clayton High School. People love you, Clayton. Like You're obviously the big man on campus here. But uh, just give me a little bit of your background, how you... you where you, you went to Mizzou, right? I did, yeah. Okay, give me a little bit about that. Yeah, basically, Clayton Hyde, 98, Mizzou, 02, always wanted to be a sports writer. Uh, basically, I mean, the idea of, like, sports and writing are my two favorite things. The fact that there's a job called sports writer, it'd be as if there was, like, a job called, like, beer-drinking cheeseburger eater. You know, you take these two things you love doing and you put together. Um, I went to New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, and was there uh, for six years, covered college football, pro football, and then the NBA. Denver, Colorado, covered the Denver Nuggets, and then was promoted to columnist uh, in 2013, which was like a big moment in my life. I always wanted to be a sports columnist for a, a major newspaper, and then the team goes to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was so much fun out there in Denver, but St. Louis is home. And when the great Bernie Miklas decided to go straight, uh, strictly with radio, uh, and they offered me the position, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm coming home. And uh, I did, and I love the job because I can, I can, I can rip the Cardinals. I can praise the Cardinals. I can, I can do whatever I want from an emotional and analytical standpoint. But I can also I have I also have the freedom to tell stories, and uh, I can I can find stories like about Julian Javier's hat from the 1967 World Series that the umpire takes off his head, and the Post Dispatch will let me uh, air quotes investigate that and do a big piece. So I'll do that for one day's paper, and then the next day it's like Matheny's bullpen management is at an all time worst, you know, and so I can be very versatile with the job. We worked together at Fox Sports for the West, did we not? Oh, that's the other Ben. I'm sorry. Yeah. I always get you too confused. Yeah, Ben Fredrickson, my uh, my cohort, who's getting married uh, this week. It's this in week. the air. It's in the All air. All of us, us three. Tell me, um, that had to be... I mean, I always think a columnist, because as, again, a kid, the old crotchety Bernie Mikolas or uh, Kevin Horrigan. I mean, as, as I grew up as a kid, you always... And you just look around, Bob Ryan and Dan Shaughnessy, all these old crotchety... So you're a young guy, relatively young in that role, I would assume. What was it like coming in knowing that you know, Bernie, Bernie's byline was there every, you know, every day to the left yep. for 25 years or however long? She's almost 30. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he started... Pressure at all? I mean... Of course there's yeah. pressure. I mean, I mean, your face is right there. Your name is right there. And, then, and also, like, yeah, there was pressure in Denver. 
but then you come here, everyone knows your family. So it's like, it's not just this guy, Benjamin Hockman, it's, it's Jer Hockman's son or Josette Hockman's son or J.B. Hockman's cousin. So um, there's pressure just to not blow it for them. Uh, but I love the pressure and I love the opportunity to like, I want, I want people, this this will sound wildly cheesy, but I stand by it. Like, I want people to like think in one column, cry in the next and laugh in the next. And if I can do all three in one, then holy cow. Yeah, keep the quirkiness. We uh, we love the quirkiness. Tell me, the newspaper business always, ah, Prince dead. I mean, it's dying. And you guys are still obviously doing fine. But uh, tell me a little bit about just that. I mean, I've... I have to be honest. I mean, my, my grandfather, this is how I read the paper. My grandfather lived across the street from me as a kid. I'd go over and sit with him, and I'd read the sports. Then I decided, I just don't want to sit with him anymore. I'm going to take his sports and bring it over. And just. And he kept saying, Brad, I don't know what happened to the sports page. Do you, they, they, they keep not delivering it to my house. And I said, I, I have no idea. <laughs> so I read it, but then, you know, the Internet's come, the Internet's. And it's right there. So I've been reading it forever, since 1995, on the Internet. Yeah. still works. Good. Tell me a little bit about just uh, just the, the, the way things are going. We see the athletic and all sure. these other things, these other ways of getting your sports news. But I think people still want their local guys they know locally covered. I mean, everyone talks about Derek Gould and Joe Strauss and the way the baseball, Rick Hummel. Tell me a little bit about how the, the, the newspaper business is, is right now as we sit here. Well, I mean, for, for someone like myself or Ben Fredrickson or Derek Gould at the newspaper, the key is to be as dynamic as possible and as versatile as possible. Yeah, like, like in 1989 when Bernie Miklas was promoted a columnist, his assignment was fill that column literally on the newspaper print uh, whatever, how many times a week. Uh, I'm not saying I, I – I'm not trying – it's apples and oranges, a different different – Time, if you will, but now we're doing videos, we're doing Twitter, Twitter and tweeting, uh, Facebook, uh, podcasts. Of course, um, there's so many facets to being a sports columnist uh, in 2018, and it's fun because for me, it's like I want I want to splash my personality into everything, and I want people to like enjoy the ride. You know, like like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go jump into Ben's world for the next 15 minutes and read what he has to say or listen to his podcast or whatever it is, and hopefully, again, you'll you'll hear something you haven't heard before. You'll think about something about the Cardinals or the Blues or whomever that you hadn't thought about before. But it'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. And when you're done with it, whether you turn off the phone or put the newspaper down, whatever it is, you're like, oh, that was worthwhile. And uh, I, I put a lot of effort into that. Good job that you do. Enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> let's just talk Cardinals, and then we'll talk a little sports, and then we'll we'll wrap up here at Masses. Five locations. I'll wins dessert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they got a cannoli coming out here in a second. Um, so the Cardinals, um, here we are again. I Kind of like last year, although the team's record's better. Starting pitching's better. I guess my one complaint always is, is bullpen management. I mean, I just, when you watch every year, you can't use the same guys over and over and over and then think you're going to have them in August. But this new thing, this new trend that has really bothered me is just giving away games because, eh, we want to see if Adam Wainwright can pitch. All right, we've given away three or four of those. Or let's keep Matt Carpenter in the one hole. Maybe he'll get it together. Not working. When you've when you clearly have answers at Memphis, which this happened last year, now you've got Jack Flaherty, who, who, who should not be ever sent back down to anywhere, should have never been sent down after his first start, obviously after his second start. I know there's numbers and room, but this guy needs to be here. Austin Gomber, I mean, what else does he have to prove, it seems? I know, there's, again, not a lot of space. It's starting rotation is the only place where we've got all this excess. Right, right, right. But that's sort of my main, like, how do we seemingly just give away game? I mean, these games in April and May are just as important as September. And if you let the Cubs or the Pirates get on some sort of run, 
Am I right? I mean, what are, yeah. what are, what are your complaints or what are your, what are your thoughts as we sit here almost at the beginning of June? There's so many. And, then if, and if you look at run differential, which I, I like to look at as, as a key um, stat, if you will, the Cubs, who have a fantastic, they have the best run differential in the National League. And normally, if you look back at previous seasons, the playoff teams are the top teams in run differential. So my point is, the Cubs are not, they're good, not great right now, but like they have all the signs that like they're going to be great. And then, of course, there's other teams in the division too. So yeah, I mean, the bullpen management is, is infuriating. And, and yeah, you already, it's only whatever, mid, late May, and you and I could sit here and name games where there was the wrong guy out there or the wrong guy kept out there. Uh, we're or, taken out too soon, which is my main one. Hey, eight pitches. Way to go, Jordan Nicks. Let's get him out of there so we can be there tomorrow. I hate that. And then Matt Bowman went on the DL, and I was like, oh, it's because his arm fell off. It wasn't. It was just for blisters. I mean, I hate just for blisters. But, uh, yeah, so there's just so much frustration in that regard. And I think in the modern era, and I don't, I don't know if, like, the Brad and Benjamins of the 80s were similarly infuriated by the bullpen management, but I think because of access to statistics and access to uh, Twitter, there's more thinking going in from the casual fan or media member uh, about bullpen management that makes us be like, I would have done it differently. Why didn't he do it that way? Because I know I'm right. What, what do you think of baseball just right now, the way it's played? I, I still like the game. I still try to watch. I love watching the Yankees play. I love watching their lineup. But everyone just either strikes out, hits home runs, it, 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 and it's like copycat league this is the nfl i mean basically we're gonna we're all into launch angle and we're all into no one's ever gonna steal a base ever again no one's ever gonna hit and run no one's gonna bunt against the shift because oh my god if we get thrown out at second base that's the game it it just is infuriating i don't need i obviously know we're not going to get the 314 stolen bases in 1985 with this group but still i mean the fact that we just sit at first base i mean tommy fam is 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 perfect for a 1985 team. I even said, well, boy, I wonder if Whitey Herzog could just, let's say Mike Matheny's kid graduates and he has to go for seven days. What would Whitey do with this team? And I'm not sure it's talented enough to, to, to make a difference, but it would just be curious to put a Whitey Herzog, a 1985 managing Whitey Herzog, and just see how the wheels turn. I, I'm not a, I am not a huge Matheny basher because I think people, there's, you could just sit every night and just, oh, this lineup, uh, I think he does a pretty good job taking the temperature of the team. I think, like I said, Carpenter probably a week too long, two weeks too long. Dexter Fowler probably waits a little too long. But that's a, that's a manager thing. Again, I think I'm obloviating. But uh, I am curious what your thoughts on just baseball today and just the way it's played. And is it as frustrating to you as it is me? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I just think about the next generation and, and our kids, the idea of, like, I hope that they can enjoy the athleticism of baseball and the beauty of baseball the way defense, the defense right. of baseball that, that, that we did uh, as as well. I mean, I don't think baseball is going to go away or anything like that. I think if there's a sport that's going to go away, it's going to be football um, for, for numerous reasons. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, I think the best part about St. Louis is the way that we nurture the next generation to love baseball, whether it's happening in present time. I mean, you, you turn on the TV – and there's the Brad Thompson and the, and the kids' show. Well, and they do such a good job, Tom Ackerman always says, they do such a good job of making a kid's first experience at Bush Stadium or with the Cardinals such a memorable one. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. is, And, and I know Brian Finch over there at the, at the Cardinals Hall of Fame, they do these things where I've always, want, I've always said if I, ever, uh, if I ever owned the Cardinals, I used to think this, if I ever owned the Cardinals, I would, make, I would finance this, that every school in St. Louis has a class where every kid, similar to like a um, 
similar to like an immigration test to like be an American. Uh, every kid in St. Louis had to pass this test of Cardinals trivia and knowledge in order to be a true St. Louis, air quotes, true St. Louis. And uh, I love the idea of sharing the information, sharing the stories, and uh, and they do that at the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Anyway, uh, long story long, I, I ended up writing a book about that, so hopefully that could be our textbook. I like that. I, uh, my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Burian, was the first one um, who let me read baseball books and do book reports on baseball. And it only made me more excited about baseball. And I, I do think what you're talking about, it's more about the teachers, too. you got to have the buy-in from teachers. And, and, it, and it, did, it totally made me a bigger baseball fan. Um, say it's State of St. Louis sports. Let's uh, just kind of throw that out there. MLS obviously should be here. Not. Uh, the Blues don't really excite us with what they're doing. I know they're going to try to pitch us that their kids are going to be uh, the next wave of uh, I, I, I just, I don't know, I can't really get into that. And then you just get kicked in the nuts with Vegas going to the Stanley right. Cup Finals. A friend of mine just was, like, texting me and saying, oh, I'm so mad about this. This is, I said, why? It's not, that's not a Blues problem. I mean, that's, that's, that's an NHL problem. The Blues are their own problem. You need to realize that this is, this is who you are. Like, I, they have made me less of a fan. The way they just handle, I know it must be like being a Cub fan. But at least the Cubs weren't even doing anything to win. Like, you never had hope. Right. This Blues team always try to give you hope, and then they just do what they do. Oh, so yeah. I mean, and you look at the, the recent years with Hitchcock when the team was so good in the regular season, I felt terrible for the Blues fans in that regard. And, and yeah, I mean, like, which is worse? Like, just having, like, a perennial loser or having a team that, like, you think is good enough to win the dang Stanley Cup and then doesn't even get out of the first round many years in a row. Well, and it's like, it's some people want to compare it to the Braves. I said, well, wait, they won, and then they went to the World Series a bunch of times. So at least they had this, right. I don't and, like that comparison. Yeah, they won the World Series yeah. in 1995. They, they had, yeah, so it, it's not apples and apples by, by any means. The, um, the thing with the Blues is, like, we're seeing with, with Vegas, like, are hockey teams built wrong? Like, is it possible that, like, you, you need more balance in all the lines as opposed to just having, like, your two scoring lines and, you know, like, your, 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 what's his name, Dimitri Yaskin line and then your, your, your hard-hitting line? I mean, the, I, think, I think hockey execs are going to learn from this Vegas thing. Wow, they could do it with that personnel. We've got better personnel. Maybe we could, I don't know, maybe we can enhance it. It'll be very interesting to see how the league, uh, so how the league, I speak with my hands. I just smack your <laughs> tape recorder. Uh, the league adapts to uh, what Vegas, what they learned about Vegas. Your thoughts just on St. Louis sports? It just feels, I don't know, it feels down. I just, I, I get, so, I, you know, I hear Frank kind of talking to kind of aldermen and and people who want. I guess someone needs to step up and do something because you know, I didn't want to lose the Rams. But I was done with that team, and now I'm done with the NFL. I've been done with the NFL. People are like, you don't watch? I, no, I, don't, I just don't need to see it. There's college football on. There's just a bunch of things that happened during NFL games that I just was kind of sick of watching anyway. So I'm okay with it not being here. Of course I wanted it to be here. And I wanted the stadium to be on the riverfront just because this, I, you watch Doug Vaughn, and I love Doug Vaughn. There's nothing on that riverfront. I mean, that, that's what that should have been plugging is we're going we're gonna to build the riverfront. But no one wanted to hear that. Of course, MLS. It, I don't know. I just it just seems like a downtime. Um, thoughts on just the state of the uh, St. Louis sports? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, good God, I wish we had the soccer team. I mean, imagine what an invigorating thing that would have been for our downtown. And I came here from Denver, of course, where they had all the teams and and they had they had MLS as well. And the idea of just like reinvigorating a downtown, as we saw in Denver, like 
people would be like, oh, where the stadium was, was where uh, they used to go and get crack. And then it, now it's where the stadium is and all the bars are. And, of course, we're doing... Yeah, St. Louis, where the stadium is, is where you go to get crack. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and the... Uh, it's on Sunday nights, I hear. I don't right, know. right, right, right. <laughs> and Tuesdays. Tuesdays is an underrated night for crack. Um, no, but the idea... I was told I interrupt my guests too much, too. I know I've way done it. So, sorry, Keith. Keith was the guy who told me I did that. But I've, I've inter- I think I've interrupted... I've, I've hit my interruption uh, plateau. Sorry. But here's the thing about the interruptions... There, you Pardon have, the interruption. You have a high batting average with them, though. Like, if you were interrupting and the joke wasn't funny, then would be like, oh, are you kidding me, Brad? But, like, your interruptions are worth the risk. Thank you. If I may. Okay. Um, my bad. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, so, uh, but how about this? You talk about the state of St. Louis sports, though. Have we, have we had a better time in regards to St. Louisans playing professional sports? Max Scherzer's maybe the best baseball player or one of them out there. Uh, Jason Tatum is in the leading a team as age 20 into the uh, conference finals as, as we speak right now. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a top draft pick. Uh, there's just there's Ezekiel Elliott a year ago. I mean, All these guys that we can't see come home and play in front of us. Right, right, right. That's what's the sad part. Yeah, well, we can watch him in Boston. Or right. I mean, Scherzer doesn't even really want to say he's from here anymore. He's like, oh, no, I'm a D.C. guy. Yeah, right. There's another interruption. He's a Tiger, though. He's a Mizzou Tiger. No, I get it. But, you know, but that's... You mentioned all these guys, and you're like, oh, well, what can, I guess we'll see Matthew Kachuk once a year. Right. We will never see Ezekiel Elliott. We'll never see Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of sad. That's a good point. Maybe I shouldn't have brought up all no, those people because no. now we're all sad here. Right. No, but, I mean, I think I think the state of St. Louis sports is fine because the St. Louis Cardinals are competitive right now on this day. But the minute, and I've written this a lot in the newspaper this, this spring, is if this team falls apart and doesn't make the playoffs and they miss it for three years in a row – for the first time since the late 90s, that that is, at that point, the San Jose Cardinals are the Seattle Mariners. And I say this because the idea of, like, when you miss three in a row in the in the, in the wild card, two wild card era, and what are you? You're just stuck. The Mariners are, just, are a team that's just stuck every year. 85 wins, 73 wins, 91 wins. They don't even make the playoffs. I, I looked this up, and... and if the Cardinals miss for three years in a row, if they miss this year, like, what's the difference? I know we get excited every year about, oh, a couple years ago it was Piscotti, Grichik, Diaz, now it's Flaherty, Reyes, etc. Like, we always have things to get excited about, but, man, if they miss three in a row, I, I, I guess that, that means Matheny's out. I guess that means, um, I mean, I don't think, I mean, Moe's probably here for life. But, I mean, I think Matheny's definitely, if he doesn't make a playoff, I don't see how they can say we're bringing Matheny back. I don't, again, I don't really blame him. I think what I get mad about, Ben, if I if I may, please. Uh, I just this we're going to be competitive. You know, we just want to make the playoffs. We want to be competitive, and this is I get so mad about this. When Tony was here, and I, I know Tony was definitely hot button, but Tony, when when you'd go to spring training, which I did for 15 years yeah, under yeah. the Tony Larusa era, every player walked in and said, "No, we're good enough to win a World Series." You know, that's what we're here to do. We're we're coming in, and we we think we're the best team, and a lot of times. They were the best team. Yeah. Um, I, I hear I hear DeWitt, I hear Mo, I hear Matheny say competitive. We think it's a 90-win team. We think we're – they don't even care. They, they, they talk about the Cubs. They're like, well, we don't really want to worry about the Cubs. Well, you should. This is where I get so frustrated because this is not, <laughs> quote, the Cardinal way, unquote. And I said it a, a few times ago. You know, they – they throw this stuff at you. The 68 team is back. We've got 11 world championships. The 67 team, we're going to honor them. We're going to have the 87. We want to show you all these winning teams. 
and then not throw a team that looks like that out there. I, I just don't understand this disconnect, and I, I do understand, yeah, it's hard to win World Series. And the last two they've won, oh, six, obviously, they had to back in, even though it was a great team before 2011, had to make this incredible run. I think they think, ah, once we get in, we can do it. But I don't see the talent. Last thing on that point, I looked at this lineup in spring training, and I said, okay, what's different from last year outside of Ozuna? This is the same lineup that was not real good. So what am I missing? I, I, I felt like they needed two bats. I felt like they needed two starting pitchers. I felt like they needed two big bullpen arms. And they decided, oh, yeah, April, we need Holland. Uh, still haven't done anything about the bat. About the bat. And uh, Jack Flaherty's been uh, kind of way above what I thought he'd be. So I don't know if that's uh, a question. Just a soliloquy. That being said, uh, I mean... I'm not, a, but I'm a, the competitive thing, yeah. that's what bothers me the most, is I remember all the times hearing, oh, we're here to win a World Series, and they had the team to do it. Right. And maybe they just don't think they do. Also, maybe they think 2019, okay, we're gonna, this is going to be the kids, right. there's this big free agent class, we're going to go for it, because they do go for it, yeah. I guess. They just keep missing, like Stanton and Price. Right, right, right. Uh, but no, they, they put it on themselves, whether they're saying competitive or whether they're saying World Series, they put it on the, themselves and say, we're going to be relevant in September. And two years in a row, they, they, they sputtered out. So Well, they could say that they were in the playoff until the last days of the season. Last year was the first time, what was it, like 7,000 days that they didn't have a game that meant anything. Right. We all knew it didn't mean anything the last two years. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. And, that, and that's why this season is so crucial for St. Louis Cardinals history, I think. I think it's something just, just of the swagger of the, of the franchise and such. So I, I think Matheny is managing for his job. And I think the – I also – you mentioned Ozuna. I mean, that's been the fr- most frustrating aspect of this team. It's Even though Carpenter has been terrible and Fowler has been even worse, um, the fact is that those guys you can you can put in Jerko, you can put in Bader. You can't – you mean you got the cleanup hitter because you didn't have one. And now this cleanup hitter is, is not producing. And I know he's – at least Ozuna said the right things. He's like, no, I'm pressing. I'm trying to impress the fans and putting a lot of pressure on myself. But, I mean – the reality is they need way more production from him in that spot. And uh, But you know what fans are saying right now. What about Tyler O'Neill? Um, all he does is hit home runs no matter where you put him. So. That's Joe St. Louis Cardinal fan. Is that what they sound like? That is indeed, indeed. Tyler O'Neill, though, is a guy who has gone and just hit and hit and hit and yet could not somehow make this roster, which right. made no sense to me. I mean, I understand if you I, – I think that – Magnaris Sierra, I know, is never going to be a Hall of Famer. But this is when I got the most incensed. For a week, the guy did everything you could possibly do to be a Major League winning player. I'm not saying he is Willie Mays or Vince Coleman, or, but we have to send him down right away. You can't. I just that's what infuriates me the most is Mem- what we're worried about Memphis. Like this team, we got it. We they got to get it back. So they're just sitting down there. No. Let's get him up here. Ozuna, I think, I always give the new guy a benefit of the doubt. And I even give, I still give him lag time. Give me the all-star break. Carpenter, I've seen what he does. I know how his mind thinks. He talks and talks and talks. And I think he talks himself into watching strikes and all these all these things. So yeah. it just gets annoying. The thing with Carpenter that's interesting, and I was telling Matt this just yesterday. I go, Matt, if, you, if we could take you right now and transport you into 1998 baseball 20 years ago, you'd be like a... 360 hitter because there's no shifts and all those line drives that, that hit in, in, in shallow right field uh, would of course be hits then. Uh, I disagree by the way. 
Well, I mean, and I mean, not 360. Yeah, or maybe not 360. I, I, I think I was trying to make him feel better when I said 360. Uh, but no, but the idea of like he's he's at his best when he can hit to at least to center field, let alone to the opposite field. And watching him pull, pull, pull is frustrating. Um, but I, he did say to me, he goes, "Look, I've had slumps before. This year just happened in the first month." So that means you start out with that under Mendoza line batting average. He's like, I've had months where I've hit under 200 before, but in the previous month I hit 300, so it didn't look as bad to the uh, to the fans' eye, the media's eye. But I felt like it was last year too, and I think he's an overthinker. Um, talked to him a few times back in the day. I don't know what's going through his mind now, but I just every time I hear it at the winter warm up, any any guy, and I love Colt Wong, but they all come in with this. Well, this year I want to be the leadoff hitter. It's Steven Piscotty's like, I want to be more explosive. And I remember thinking, just hit the ball. You know, just, you're, you're not a fast guy. Don't worry about it. Just, just hit. Tommy Pham can be an explosive guy. True. Steven Piscotty just hit the ball. He's uh, a delight. And it's fun to have Tommy Pham around. What, what, what a special talent. What a cool story. And I think we'll get 30-30. The question is, though, how many caught stealings is it going to take for him to get to the 30 uh, stolen bases? But I, I, I hope fans are appreciating what they're seeing on a Tommy Pham out there. I hope he stays healthy because that's the only thing that can in his eyes stay, uh, stay open. Well, this has been fun. I, uh, we're going to wrap up a little bit here. Uh, we talked about your book, The Big 50. We've talked about how you can get it. Tell me, do you have a favorite two, three things that just you were like, wow, that was really, I'm so glad I got to write this book because of this. Honestly, sitting down with Stan Musial's grandson, Brian, and, and getting to hear Stan's stories, just about the what a person and how personable Stan was. I love this anecdote where basically Brian was like, look, uh, he called him Stan, like, I love you, man. Like, I love you, the man. Um, I don't think he said that, but um, I'm 20, whatever. I gotta go on some dates here. I'm going to dinner with you every night. And Stan goes, well, bring him along, bring her along, you know? And, and uh, so Brian would bring a date to dinner with Stan Musial. I love this image of like Brian, cool girl, and Stan Musial at Kimol's or wherever they were at. I love it. I'm thinking Brian probably said, Stan, why don't you join me for dinner? <laughs> Maybe that's how it went. Yeah, yeah. And the Stan stuff, I mean, I. I feel like mid-90s, 2000s, everyone was talking about Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays and Ted Williams as the greatest hitters. And I feel like once Stan died, unfortunately, and towards the end of his life, he finally did get the due. I mean, he obviously, and I've heard the reasons why. You know, Ted Williams was surly, and he played in Boston. We have all the Yankees, and, and Willie Mays played in New York. I mean, Stan was over here in St. Louis, and no one really talked to him. He didn't have the, the big backing. But I think it, uh, towards the end, I think people finally did get to know that Around the country, and I, I don't know why I care about that stuff. But that's as a Cardinal too, fan, yeah. right? You're like, I want people to know that Stan is in the top five. I mean, the numbers just don't lie. Yeah, and and I yeah, when they did that thing in 1999 with the team of the century, and he was able to get in. I mean, I, they, that started kind of like this national wave of recognition. Um, and yeah, like I'll admit this one one thing that I'm kind of embarrassed about is like I don't think as a kid I truly appreciated Stan Musial, and maybe it was just because there was overexposure. I'm like, oh, there he is again playing the harmonica. You know, it's like Forrest Gump going to the White House. And I went to the White House again, met the president again. You know, it's like, oh, here's another story about Stan Musial getting three thousand hits, where it was kind of like almost like too much. Uh, but now I'm like I like over appreciate it, and if you look at his numbers, but that's the cool thing is like if Stan Musial was a plumber, we people would be talking about like this guy man, the nicest human, what a great plumber. 
and this guy was the nicest human, but he was also one of the best hitters in history. Well, and I think it's, again, this is why Cardinal baseball is a religion to me. And I, I get, it probably sounds stupid. I think a lot of people think this, but it's religious to me. And my grandfather made sure I knew how great Stan and what a thrill or an honor it is to see him play the harmonica yeah. or, or just do that swing. Or do we, it, I took pictures of him as a kid because I knew my grandfather talked about him more than anybody, so I knew he was special. So uh, yeah. I can't, can't wait to read uh, all the other stories. Yeah, I mean, that's why that's what's cool about this book. I was able to put personal stories, other St. Louis stories, players' stories, managers' stories, gather them all in one book, stories you hadn't heard before, and stories you can share with your family and friends, honestly, forever. What are you doing in five years? What's going on? Well, hopefully I'm, I'll be sitting here with you talking more Cardinals, maybe talking about... A, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm leaving St. Louis if that's what you're getting at. No, just yeah, the, the business and everything. That's oh, happening. yeah, I mean... Um, I would like to think that there will always be some sort of post-dispatch news gatherers based in St. Louis, and there will always be people like myself and Ben Fredrickson and Derek Riccomo at the stadium gathering news for the fans and telling stories and, and all of that. Uh, I don't know if there will be a newsprint, but uh, yeah, for me, it's 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 here. I got married to a St. Louis girl. I'm, I'm will live here forever my parents moved back to st louis now keep in mind they didn't move back when i did in 2015 but then when i got married they moved back so i think they like her more than me <laughs> but um yeah i mean there, there's so many stories to tell in the city and i want to do my best to keep telling them how was your cannelloni delicious yes. the cannelloni at masses restaurants our title sponsor of baseball and beyond i think benjamin hockman he writes the big 50 you can get that at amazon anywhere where books are sold i books is where i got it and uh, you can read them in the Post-Dispatch. That's going to do it for Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses Restaurants. Thanks for listening. Catch me soon with another one coming up. I don't know when. Who should we do next? Who should you do next? Willie McGee. Can you get Willie? I'm going to get Willie. That's a good one. I have not done Willie. Ben Hockman just picked the next guest. Look for that soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs>